this afternoon, <clears throat> I got really angry. So I thought, good opportunity um, to say something about anger. Yeah, because I'm I'm uh, one of those teachers who learn what they teach. So there's the teachers like the masters. Uh, they teach what they have um, realized and accomplished, and then there's many other teachers, and I'm in that category, uh, who teach what they want to learn. And uh, that's definitely a valid way to teach. So while I'm uh, talking about anger, I'm also um, reminding myself. So what I want to explore today and also on Sunday then uh, is um, how in Buddhist psychology and in the Buddhist training, uh, what is uh, being offered there to uh, transform, to work, to be to explore anger in a healthy, constructive way. But before I uh, start to talk a bit about this, uh, I would like to just sit quietly so that we have an opportunity to settle and arrive here and particular uh, the invitation to connect with your body, to connect with how you feel, who you are just now. And so it's a possibility that you can close your eyes if that's comfortable for you. Then just Allow your awareness to kind of settle down into your body, or down into your legs and the feet. Notice how the chair or the floor carries you. How is your belly? And as best as you can, make your awareness non-judgmental, welcoming. So if your awareness are loving hands, welcoming, befriending your own energy. So I invite you to let go of any kind of controlling or fixing. How is it in your chest area? Your shoulders?
give yourself the permission for these few minutes to do nothing. Just being aware, just noticing. And of course there are still thoughts coming and going. But right now there's nothing to think about, nothing you need to figure out. So maybe you can just let them somewhat in the background, passing like clouds. And just being here in this moment with this voice, with the sounds, you for these moments uh, let go of any kind of pressure by allowing this moment to be just as it is. to arise. So if there's discomfort, explore what happens if you let it be. Just being aware of your own energy, befriending your own energy in your belly, in your chest, noticing the breath. So it's shifting from the obsession with thoughts judgmental presence. And then for a moment I invite you to acknowledge and appreciate the stillness.
which is always already here, surrounding and underlying, even if you're agitated, even if you're tired. You can also listen to the stillness. If you notice that you get carried away by a storyline, by a judgment, by a memory, without making a big deal, just gently, at that moment, notice that you are here, sitting here, with me and the others. In a moment where you have everything you need. going to talk a bit now and then 
after the break there will be time for questions and uh, as always um, uh, the Sunday will be uh, like a practical exploration of uh, what I'm saying to tonight so on Sunday I will we will more do what I'm now talking about So it's obvious that in the Buddhist teachings you find a lot of instructions and uh, support in uh, being with anger in a more constructive way. And uh, tonight and on Sunday I will particular, uh, mm, refer to one master, Master Shantideva, an Indian master who lived in the 7th century and he wrote a book called The Bodhisattva Ways of Life, the Bodhicharya Avatara. And that book has nine chapters and a whole chapter is dedicated to the working with anger. It's uh, the patience chapter. So in that uh, chapter, Shantideva writes about anger and how to uh, handle anger in a better way. And I have uh, made these four kind of categories to, sometimes I like to do that, like to, you know, summarize uh, so that I have some categories to also for myself to remember more easy the different tools and the different methods. So I, I would like to uh, talk about these four tools or approaches to anger in the Buddhist teachings. But before that, um, I would like to point to one challenge when we talk about anger, when we explore anger, and that is anger in the Buddhist teachings has a very bad reputation. It's like, you know, it's like the enemy. It's something, uh, and it's obvious where that comes from, because if we look into our life, or if you look into the situation in the world, uh, so much harm is done to hatred and anger. And then it's very easy to make anger in general like uh, the evil. And as a spiritual practitioner, uh, this could lead to a denial of your own anger or a sense there's something wrong, something I need to get rid of, something I need to hide, and definitely if I'm spiritual, if I'm Buddhist, I always need to smile, and if I don't do it, then I fail as a Buddhist practitioner. So I think when we work with anger, and I'm not really sure how one can do that, is to see 
that there is a wisdom and something constructive in anger as well. So working with anger does not mean to get rid of something. It needs to. It means to. That's why I say transform. Yeah. It it needs to. Uh, it needs to help us to be with that energy and to work with that energy in a constructive way. And maybe one one way to have like two different words is to distinguish between healthy aggression and anger. What I observe sometimes in in like in Buddhist circles and in spiritual circles is that there's many people around there who actually are in a point in their life where they need to say no, where they need to stand up, where they need where they need to learn to kick asses. And definitely, uh, there is a there is a nice talk by Rob Thurman. He is a uh, like one of the foremost Western teacher, and he claims in that talk, we need more anger because there is so much, so much injustice. Yeah. And definitely when he said we need more anger, then he does not mean we need more hatred and more uh, um, harmful behavior. But there is something in uh, not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. But to be more, to be more, yeah, to be more profound in 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 working with the, this energy, and and definitely, uh, most of us, part of our development as human beings, right now, definitely is to say no, to say what you need, to. Put borders to to speak up, and uh, some some of this e energy which we work with when we work with anger, it's part of that energy to put borders, to stand up, to protect. You know, to protect others, to protect your family, to protect your partner, and to protect your own space. And in the Buddhist tantric tradition, so the transforming anger is really, uh, you know, it's coming like from the tantric approach. So the tantric approach is, it's not about getting rid of anything, desire or anger, but it's about working with these energies in a different way. So in the in the tantric teachings, we have these uh, images of these wrathful deities. They are called wrathful deities. They, they look like demons. They have like bull heads and weapons in their hand, and they fire around them, and uh, and they and they trample on 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 some beings with their feet. Yeah, and they have a, um, uh, uh, like uh, bracelets with human heads and skulls. Yeah, and and definitely. This is not worshiping an, e uh, an evil being. It is an expression of that wrathful compassion. You know, sometimes it's not good enough to say, oh, please, could you stop that? It's not good enough. Yeah. 
So don't be afraid of your anger. So the definitely one of the first step to find no maybe first I can say another thing. There's basically kind of three ways to work with this energy. And uh, two of them are very familiar to us. The first one is to stuff it down, to suppress it, to deny it. And, that, and that's what I mean. That's like in spiritual circles, if you, if you have a, a, like a self-image of a spiritual person or of a Buddhist, that's, that might be even something which, is, you know, which happens more. Yeah. This stuffing down, pretending it's not there, denying it. And maybe have, you know, there's like this, all these kinds of words we might say, yeah? I'm frustrated or uh, I'm a bit irritated. Or, you know, so there's many, like, many in our language, many words we use just to deny uh, you're pissed off, you're angry. Have you noticed how difficult it is to, to, uh, to, um, to, to uh, admit to admit that you are angry. It, may, it makes you angry. And your anger might show like in, you know, in passive anger, in, in a kind of uh, cold look, uh, like showing the cold shoulder, or, you know, in, in kind of subdued, subdued ways. So that, that's the suppressing or the, uh, the, the stuffing down. And the other is to just you know, get it out. Uh, just to explode. Just to say nasty things, to want to hurt, self-righteously, because you are right, to be mean, with words, with a cold look, with you know all the suppressed Swedish way. Ways. Ah, sometimes it's so nice to be in Spain, you know. <laughs> I'm in Barcelona quite often. Oh, it's sometimes it's so nice because they are, they have a different way to. Sometimes, uh, no, some because I don't understand uh, Spanish, but my my partner she does, and sometimes when I see people on the street, I, I'm thinking they are in a fight. But, but they're just discussing something, you know? 
And and here in, in, in Scandinavia it's and in Germany also, it's really like there is this heaviness of suppression uh, over anger. That's probably that's maybe one of the reasons uh, uh, for the, the the spreading of depression. That's what the psychologists say that part of depression is suppressed anger. In many cases, part of suppression is suppressed anger. So that's the two like two ways we, we know. Like either putting it out there or denying and suppressing it. So now what we are exploring is the third way, like the middle way. The middle way of neither suppressing nor just acting it out. To find a different way to be with it and to use it constructively, to learn from it. And uh, the, these four approaches here, they are four approaches uh, which we can explore. And uh, the first is, and that's really the foundation, is the mind mindfulness. So mindfulness here meaning becoming aware of what is happening. An increased introspection, a kind, non-judgmental introspection of what anger is and to familiarize yourself with that energy. In particular, to familiarize yourself with that energy in your body, to get to know it. To get to know it and to own it. So, as a Buddhist practitioner, as best as you can, you stop the blame game. The blame game is, it's you. No, you are the cause for my anger. But through mindfulness, you discover, no, it's, anger is something internally. It's a response, which I do. It seems so, like uh, it, there is no other response, and I have even, I, I'm even right in my response. But nevertheless, it's my response. And definitely there is, you know, at least theoretically, you can see, oh, there is, a, there is a possibility of a different response to this, a different internal. So uh, that would be like a, a sign of a, of a Buddhist practitioner is someone, as best as he or she can, stopping the blame game and seeing it when, it's hap when it happens. And of course it happens out of habit. But kind of to keep it back, to, hold, to, to take it back and see it's mine. Other people are not responsible for how I feel. So uh, what that means is in, in mindfulness practice, in, in this in introspection, that you become curious about what is happening in your body when you get angry. To get to know it, to get to know those contractions. Where are they? How does it feel? And to pause there with that energy.
course, just that, that just, just that move can be the start of breaking the chain of violence. Because that's, that's it, what, what it is. When we follow those impulses of anger, we add to the violence in this world. So working with anger is carried by your decision to stop, to make your life in addition for the to the violence in this world. And to stop it there where you can stop it. And that's in your belly. In your, in your chest. So something happens, someone says something, and you contract. So mindfulness would be to familiarize yourself with that energy to be with it, to notice it, and to own it. And uh, the, my, the experiences then, that already that pausing, Shantideva calls it uh, a pausing, so like stopping. So this pausing, this stopping Shantideva is talking about, does not mean suppression. It means to give space and to be with that contraction, with that energy. As best as you can, dropping the storyline. This, for some of you, this might be a complete new territory. Some people are not even aware that the emotions are uh, uh, are energy sensations in their bodies because we are in, we are like you know in our heads and in our stories and in the words and um, so mindfulness would be also a move from this disembodied disembodied state of the stories and the mental images uh, to the actual experience in your body I found that very helpful, that move. Like when I, I, I imagine tonight, because I I'm still carry this, what happened today, that tonight I, I might wake up, you know, in the middle of the night and I can't sleep because I have this fire in my stomach. And, uh, no, if I would just, you know, continue my blah 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 the story it, it could keep up it could keep me up the whole night but if I remember and tonight I will remember because <laughs> uh, you know if I drop my sense of being into the body if I drop and it's really so unpleasant initially that's why we don't want to be there we don't want to be with the feelings, so we escape into the thoughts. But then we have more, more aggressive thoughts, and that even makes the fire even hotter. So, but if I drop that, and I, you know, and I, how does it feel in my body? Maybe I can put my hands on my belly, and I breathe into it. How does it feel? Where is it? And what happens if I just say, if I just take care of it, if I breathe into it, if I am with it, 
if I see it like as a child, an upset child, and uh, and I just take care of it, and then I bring my my attention even deeper. You know, I I feel into my feet and in my in my legs. How are they affected by this? You know, what what is with my heart? Yeah, and and in the moment I do that. I mean, in the moment I do it now, I kind of feel it's it's not that it goes away, but I feel like uh, yeah, it's it's softer. It's not that sharp. It's not that unbearable anymore. And then usually I sl I fall asleep. <laughs> This uh, this move, I I really uh, I, I'm I found it really very inspiring uh, to work in this way with all feelings, with sadness and you know, with with other feelings, with fear, or to explore the somatic aspects of my emotions and and how you know, if I do this and softening into the... And maybe I'm not saying that your anger is also in the belly. It's, it can be maybe more here or in your hands or in your shoulders. Uh, but what I notice is that if I do this, also my thinking changes. I can work on an issue in my life without thinking about it, without trying to figure it out without finding what I'm going to say tomorrow and why did it happen and blah, 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 blah. Yeah? I can work on an issue in my life in the present moment while working, with working with the energy in my body. And then if I do that, I might be the next day when I see this person again, I might be more constructive, actually, what I'm going to say. I didn't figure it out in the night, what I'm going to say, because I stopped to think about it, but I might be able to have a more healthy and balanced response in the next day, because I worked with the energy in my body. So mindfulness the introspection, the owning. And the mindfulness, of course, is, is uh, the antidote towards one of the major obstacles with working with anger, and that's denial. Yeah. So you can work only with something you're aware of. And I'm, I mean, I'm in this business for a few years now, and I'm I'm still surprised how easy it is for me to deny how it happens and how my partner needs to nail me down. That's, that's good if you, have a, uh, if you are living with someone because he, he or she can you know, see it when you contract. And, and you can say, no, no, 
you know, I'm fine, or you know, I'm not angry. Yeah, but they know it. They see it in your face. You know your children, or they see it in your face. They, they, they notice it. And I'm, I'm really puzzled by this, uh, um, how I kind of I try to get out of it. <laughs> And sometimes it takes like the whole afternoon until in the evening I surrender and say, say yes, you're right. <laughs> and I, I'm sure it has something to do with this self-image of being, you know, a practitioner, being a Buddhist, or I think that makes it more more difficult to just say, you know, I'm pissed off, I'm fed up with this. So mindfulness uh, is the noticing, the recognizing, and with that, with that simple tool, you already have like a tool of uh, softening and opening and relaxing. by just being aware. Because what you're aware of, what you give space to, what you hold in kindness, start to change. And that can make a big difference. So if you, uh, if you are able to pause for a moment and feel the energy and admit and you're aware, that kind of you know, that kind of moment can make a big difference in your response. You might be able not to say the most harming, the most hurting and stupid thing, which destroys the relationship forever. So even if the, if, if the energy is not kind of gone and you're peaceful, but, you know, if there's some more space, there might be some more clear thoughts and some more willingness for keeping the connection, for keeping the, for keeping the connection alive with that person, keeping the relationship alive uh, with that person. So that's why in the, when, when you uh, study anger in the, in the traditional context of Buddhism, what they usually do, first they start to give you all the, uh, the disadvantages of anger. And one of the disadvantages they say in these traditional teachings is, it can cut relationships forever. It can destroy a relationship forever, for the whole life, something you can't mend anymore. So that's uh, mindfulness. In, in itself, uh, a complete asso. So mindfulness means also to become aware of the evolution of anger. How does it develop? Sometimes it's so quick we are actually, we are not aware what is actually behind, behind the anger. How does it happen? 
what's the process? Yeah? And uh, uh, so from the Buddhist psychology, and I, I wrote that down here, I'm not saying that is like, that's uh, like a, a description of all, all anger there is, but you know, just, you know, just uh, you know, some ideas of when we become mindful of anger, what we might discover by looking into anger. So according to the Buddhist psychology, what is behind anger is first a desire. I want something or I don't want something. So that's uh, an interesting thing to observe or to look into. When you get angry, what is it what you don't get? Or what is it what you don't want? So it's like, I mean, it's like, a, you know, it starts with a little child, a child, a baby. It does not get what it wants. Ah! Yeah? And we have not evolved above that stage. <laughs> you didn't get what you want. That's why you got angry. So, not to, uh, you know, this is not uh, meant to, you know, as, a, as, you know, it's not supposed to be used for blaming yourself, you know, but to, to see, oh, yeah, I didn't get what I want. So there is, uh, I want, and that could be, um, one thing with anger is, anger quite often is a cover-up of underlying feelings, of underlying emotions you don't want to have, you don't want to feel. For example, sadness. Yeah. So there's sadness, there's vulnerability or insecurity, and because that's such a difficult place to, to be and you don't want that, you, know, you escape in... Uh, in a kind of pseudo-power of anger. And maybe you can recognize it when you meet the teenager in you. So that, 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 that kind of anger is, might cover up confusion, insecurity, and fear, and sadness. And sometimes we can, we can notice that in another person. And we, we see that this person on the surface is anger, angry, but we feel the sadness behind. And sometimes it's possible to kind of go beneath the anger and address the sadness. And then very quickly, anger can turn into this person uh, crying and uh, connecting with what is behind. So, a lot of the violence, I think, in the world comes from the inability of people to be with their feelings. There's something, for example, very painful happening in your life, and you are not able or not willing to be with that pain. So you get angry, you destroy, you, are, you get mad, 
Yes, there is hurt. You have lost someone, for example. And you don't have the space or the, you have not learned uh, to see, yes, this is what happens. You get hurt in life. So, you, so that, that would be this I don't want, could be something external, but it could be also something internal. I don't want this feeling. And then it stays. So uh, you, well, you want something and there's an obstruction. You don't get it. It does not disappear. Or you don't want something and that what you don't want does not disappear. So then you feel helpless. And in... in uh, in my case today, definitely I can acknowledge and I can recognize what is behind my anger is helplessness. I feel helpless in that situation. I don't know what to do. I have no clue. I have no plan. I feel stuck. And that happens in relationships, in, in working places. In, uh, it happens in our I feel helpless, and I don't want to be there. I don't feel. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to be vulnerable and helpless. I want to be wise and knowing what to say and what to do. <laughs> I want to be on top of things. So that helplessness might come also with the fear. I'm not saying this is how it is. I, this is just like exploring and you know seeing and checking and an invitation for you to explore those situations. <coughs> so the fear, a basic insecurity. And when you feel vulnerable and insecure and you have fear, what happens is that your, uh, that your what is sometimes called your old brain, yeah? so that's the old brain, the, the part of your nervous system which goes back to the reptiles, uh, kicks into the fight-flight response. And the fight-flight response is, you know, the heartbeat and the hotness and the, uh, the draining of the blood from the frontal cortex into other parts. So your logical thinking blacks out and you, you become like an animal or more animal-like in that moment. Like the, 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 the capacity to reason the, the capacity to judge what's the most constructive thing to say or to do right now is gone because your whole system goes into either running away or attacking. And that would be then part of the anger. So it's uh, something to, you know, to look into 
are there sometimes moments where one could, for example, by taking care of the vulnerability and the insecurity, like taking care of that, might that sometimes you know, kind of stop the chain? Did you have a question? No. Can, can we help you with something? <laughs> me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you help me by listening. So, so that's part of the mindfulness, getting to know where anger comes from, how, does, how it is expressed, how it is being expressed in the body, the energy of anger, uh, stopping to blame and owning your anger, becoming aware. And already that can give some more space to neither suppress nor act out, but trusting the power, the transformative power of non-judgmental awareness. Because of course, if you give space to that energy, it will go. It, it will, it changes moment by moment and After a few hours, uh, there will be less, or it will be gone. What I did uh, this afternoon, I, I did a, like a, a guided body scan. So I lie down on the floor, connected with my whole body, connected with the earth, and a very a specific body scan where you breathe into the different parts of your body and that was so nice to kind of you know ground myself and and also like spread the energy in, into my whole body so that it is not so compact in, in, and unbearable in, in unbearable sharp in one place and, and it's amazing you, you find yourself in a different place then It's, it, you, I can really feel how, how my, my blood floods back into the frontal cortex <laughs> and, and I'm able to you know, see the wider perspective and uh, have a more constructive discussion with myself. <laughs> So, then the second is uh, reframing. So, reframing means to, to put what is happening in a different frame. So, to put what is happening in a different perspective. To give it a different meaning. Yeah, so, and here you use the concept, conceptual mind. So you use the conceptual mind to, for example, I give you 
an example I have given that before uh, is from Jack Cornfield. He describes a situation where he goes into a, a shopping center and he comes out and he has two big plas plastic bags of food and he bumps into a person, he falls down, the whole thing breaks and everything is on the ground and he gets up and he shouts at that person, are you blind? And then he sees it's actually a blind person who also has fallen and all this stuff is on the ground. So that changes the situation completely for him. So that would be a reframing. You have an information, and suddenly you, there's a different meaning, there's a different perspective. Yeah? And uh, so the Buddhist idea is, if you would see the person really in its evolution, in its development, in its karmic situation, you would respond differently. Understanding is love. You could, you, know, you, you would see uh, what you maybe, without uh, um, having a wider perspective, you would see the meanness or the arrogance or uh, whatever. But when you see uh, the development of that person, when you would see where the, that person comes from, when you would see the hurts and the struggles and the, the richness of that person's life, and why he or she is like she is in that moment. From the Buddhist point of view, uh, uh, they say you would, you would respond with love, with kindness, with compassion. So in, the, in this training of reframing, it is called lojong in Tibetan, a mind transformation. That means what attitude training. So in the Lojong, you, ch you change your attitude, you change your perspective. And, uh, one, and there's different, you know, dif different angles to that, so I can't go through all the Lojong teachings. But for example, one is using the karma, the teachings on karma. So what the teachings on karma say is, what is happening in your life does not fall from the sky and is also not a punishment, but what is happening in your life is a kind of an echo of what you have planted into, th into the universe. So if in these teachings on karma, the idea is that with each word, with each action, you throw like a bumerang into the universe. So you throw it. And it goes <laughs> ten million year, ten million years after, yeah, ten million years after, whoop, and you, who did that? Yeah, and then you throw another boomerang to that person, yeah, and then. You know, and then more and more bumerangs and more boom, boom, boom. So that's, that could be an evolution. So more and more anger and more and more things to be angry about with you and you respond to anger with it. So, and then in the Buddhist teachings it said you can create a whole universe with that. An angry universe where there's no anger. Where, where, where there's only anger. 
So uh, that would be uh, you know, looking at the, these situations and seeing what comes back to me here is a feedback. It says something to it says something about my past. It says something about my habits. So that does not mean that that you are punished. It does also not mean that you are supposed to just say, "Okay, beat me," because I have done it. Um, but it uh, shifts the perspective, and it shifts the sense of responsibility you have. And it can support you in, in a compassion, in, in your compassion, you know, by seeing that what comes back to you through that person, and that person uh, creates um, creates causes for suffering. So while that person is harming you, that person is throwing boomerangs into the universe, which will come back to that person. So then an, an action of uh, hurt or critic, like you're cr criticized, uh, becomes an invitation for you to refine your own way how you treat others, to look into that. Where is that habit still in me? How can I stop this kind of bumerangs of being criticized from other people? How can I stop, stop them to hit me by praising others? Yeah. There is one text that's called The Wheel of Sharp Weapons uh, from Ayadeva. And th this is a long text. And it's one first after another, and each of this first is about something like this. Hearing this critical voice uh, thrown towards you, this is the wheel of sharp weapons, with is, which is like another word for the boomerang. It's the wheel of sharp weapon, which you have thrown out into the universe, and now it comes back to you. Then it goes to that something is being stolen to you, from you, is this wheel of sharp weapon which you have thrown out, and now it's coming back to you. So in that way, you can say that uh, the the violence we are we are living in, in this city, in this in this country, on this planet, it's not your fault in that way, but there is a connection. We are living in these times not out of chance or because, uh, from the Buddhist point of view, or because a God had cre has created it, but, but it is an expression of our own inner world. So that's why the Buddhist teachings, you know, to, to, um, to contribute to world peace, uh, the most important part is to work with the peace inside with yourself. And then you can, of course, you're also supposed to do the outside things, but if it's not uh, based on working with this in your own life, in your relationships, then, uh, then, then you can never add to peace, because the peace is an expression of your karma. You need to create the karmic co conditions for peace.
And that's something internal. Okay, so let's have a break. And then um, if you have questions, then uh, remember them for after the break. Uh, then there's some space. Let's, ten, let's have 10 minutes. So let's sit quietly for a few minutes. Really also as the foundation to work with anger is to strengthen our capacity to be with ourselves without distraction, without busyness, to just be quietly with ourselves and our own energy. <coughs> and to make that a value, to be not productive. And uh, allow this shift to happen from the obsession with thoughts and stories and judgments to a, a gentle presence in your body. focus quite open, the whole body, from the toes, the sole of your feet, to the top of your crown, to the top of your head. in the belly. shoulders <clears throat> and then notice the sensations or the body part which comes to the foreground your mind to go there. That might be a pleasant or an unpleasant sensation. And see if you can for a moment drop the mental image of the body and really stay with the pure sensations with the pure energy. being present without control, without fixing, 
befriending your own energy. What happens with that energy when you stay there for a while? Breathing into it. Maybe after a while something else comes to the foreground, another part of your body, another energy and allow that to happen. It's like in a dance when you shift the partner. And make that shift a gentle and kind one. And then notice when you are carried away by a storyline, by judgments, by words or mental images. Not making a big deal and allowing yourself to gravitate back into your body. Noticing the breath. Are there any questions or responses to what I said?
questions about working with anger. Yes. How is it for you personally? Are you afraid of your own anger? Yeah, it's, uh, why do you ask this question for your friend? Um, uh, because you would suggest him something or... So then you could suggest him something. Yes, yes and definitely uh, this works. Um, so the, our, all our uh, the, the, the energies and the emotions we have, uh, they are workable. And none of, uh, no, nothing in your own inner life is uh, poisoning or dangerous. That's the, the basic uh, Buddhist assumption that um, uh, and the, the Buddhist assumption is also do it and do it now because it does not go away by itself neither the sadness nor the anger nor the hurt it does not go away without addressing it. And do it now, because now you have the tools, uh, now you fi can find people who can help you, and now you have some resources to work with it, and you don't know how long you have these resources. So, uh, for him, if he wants to work with it, Definitely to do a mindfulness course, you know, like some simple mindfulness course or a retreat or, you know, this is, a, uh, this, uh, one of the really nice books about uh, anger from the Buddhist uh, point of view. It's also very practical with guided meditations and things like this. It's called Vinegar into Honey.
vinegar into honey. Seven steps to understanding and transforming anger, aggression, and violence. I, li I, li I like thin books. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I like... Uh, uh, writers, Buddhist writers with a psychotherapeutic background. That's like. So he's a psychiatrist with more than 45 years' experience in the practice of psychotherapy. And since 1980, he became a student of Kempo Kata Rinpoche, which is a Tibetan master. So that's like. 30 years of uh, Buddhist practice and, and uh, exploration, and 40 years as a psychiatrist. So that's. Um, and uh, it's uh, what, I, what, what I said now, it's also. Um, so maybe for you it's not anger. Maybe the main fear of the, you know, what you're afraid of in your inner life is maybe not anger because you know, we are different. But maybe there's something else where you're really afraid of uh, in being with it and exploring. And also there, I, I, I would uh, uh, encourage you to, uh, maybe by holding a hand of another person and having the right support and, and finding the right environments. But definitely, I would always say, uh, uh, don't, you don't need to be afraid of your inner life. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I've, I have a question because I find it difficult, you know, when when I'm, I'm facing a problem with another person and, mm. and the other person uh, gets angry. Yeah. And I try to do it a lot of different ways yeah. to not make that person angry. Yeah. So the problem for me is when when do I get the I, I, I can't seem to get the balance between saying no, mm. I mean now you're crossing the line and mm. then be nice because yeah. the result often just yeah. is the same as if I had just yeah. <laughs> went like this or Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh. Because uh, some of the no things, and you know, is for me anyway, because I find it difficult, is also, okay, now, now it's no. You know, mm. so you get a bit of that yeah, yeah. edge yeah. with it also. So would you, think, would you think that that is something you could uh, train a bit more? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. How, how could you train that? As you said today, try to understand where the other person is coming from would be a... Um, yeah, but uh, that would be more... That that, that's fun. something you are already good at. Okay. <laughs> 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 to, okay. you know, to, 
be patient and to try and to find explanation yeah. and to find the good thing and I'm, I'm uh, trying to I'm trying to stop the conversation yeah, yeah that, that's how I'm trying to set my borders yeah, right now yeah. you know, not getting into it yeah, yeah. and how that's does that feel very good that feels good yeah I yeah it does because it's it's I mean it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere no so, no so uh, and then just and also also, just take 12 hours, you know, think about it, or just leave it, or just, mm. and then, you know, not, not respond immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, found that also helpful. Yeah, that's really mm. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in a way, I just think that I, you know, yeah, it's probably the fixing woman thing. You know, I want to fix that. Yes. And, and I yeah. Fix it no, life. but you can work with your own inner life, yeah. with your own feelings, and you can take care of that. Yeah, and and that might also change something in the other person. So the not responding immediately to another person is that also setting your borders? Yeah, that could be something. That could be something. Yeah, sometimes it might be also appropriate to uh, to. Uh, prepare or to train that you say something right there in the moment mm -hmm. without exploding but kind of being supported by that don't do that to me mm. uh, so in, in the uh, one, uh, one method in the Buddhist tradition is uh, also coming from the tantric approach is to imagine yourself and to connect with the firmness and the stability of certain Buddha images, like the Vrasful or the, uh, the, the firm goddess. Yeah? There's like these Vrasful goddesses with fangs, and they are red and they are a fire. Yeah? And, uh, and so uh, you. Uh, in that in that kind of practice, you you play with that and you you assume the posture and you imagine what would that goddess, the Tara, what how would she behave and how would she be in this situation? And uh, you would also feel it in your body. How does it feel in your body? And you know, when I ask you, ah, it feels good. In that moment, you connected a little bit with it. It was like I could feel how you kind of. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very easy to say, to be ashamed of that, or to say, no, this is not, not good, uh, instead of you know, connecting with that healthy pride as a woman in you. Yeah, and then uh, always... Uh, so the, the firmness and to the putting the border not necessarily means there can be also some work with compassion at the same time. Like that you also, uh, which does not mean that you need to talk with that person or uh, be kinder outside, but that there is also this uh, connecting from heart to heart and keeping that heart to heart connection. This is a human being with feelings, just like me. So, and sometimes I have experienced that that made a change, even if 
I didn't communicate it. Uh, we, uh, I, with my partner, we had a few courses about um, uh, how to respond to inner and outer attack. And in that course, we had this exercise where uh, you know, a partner would attack and you were supposed to defend yourself and find that place of saying no and how does it feel. So you know, you, one could you know, kind of play with it a little, like in front of the mirror and, and to connect with what you just connected when I asked you that question. Where is it in your body? How do I stand when I'm connected with that, uh, with that energy? How, how is my voice then in that moment? And so then you've, uh, you've your nervous system with that kind of uh, response, with that kind of being. And then it's easier to, uh, to have it in that situation. It's, uh, it's actually a lot about Buddha bod body posture as well. Yes. Yeah. Mm, my desire is uh, to be loved by my partner. Mm. And in the background is a lot of insecurity. Yeah. So how would you uh, work with this now? Mm. I try to say to myself that it is okay not to be loved. Mm -hmm. That I'm still good. He doesn't have... He doesn't... It's okay if he doesn't love me. I'm still okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So and of course, like, it's very good to be loved. And I, I feel I can love, but this insecurity just uh, poisons mm. everything. Mm. 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 So can you, uh, can you see a, a, a path or a way of addressing that insecurity? like that basic insecurity behind.
Yeah. And they hear my voice and they know, oh, I know I don't want to be like this. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah. I guess you know. Sure, it's very deep. Yes. So how I, I, I could work with it. Uh, so you can you can see that uh, without blaming your parents. <laughs> uh, it's a pattern, <coughs> and I guess if you would explore, you could trace this back, tra trace it back to the first caregivers. So I have this. That, that could be a definitely a step, uh, like you know, not as a, not as a permanent anger, but um, if there's anger towards our parents, then quite often part of the healing is to express the anger and to be aware of it. Yes, your father didn't didn't do a good job. He didn't, and uh, he has his reason, of course. And uh, at one point, there can be forgiveness and understanding why he was an asshole. <laughs> uh, but part of that is also first to say, he didn't do a good job. And he could, because he was a grown, grown up, he could have worked at it. But uh, to who should I say these things? To myself? To the, to the mental image of your father. To the father in you. You don't need to say it to your father. Is he still alive? But you don't. You don't need to say. You don't need to say it to your father. And and that does not. And it's difficult to do this with our parents because back then you couldn't do it because you depended on him. But now you're grown up. So now you can. Now you can. Now you can do it. Back then, you didn't have a choice because you depended then, on him. When for I was a child, like a, yes, for survival, for survival, uh, you needed to uh, uh, to let that happen. Yeah. So that's why there there could be a resistance. There could be a strong resistance of saying, uh, saying and feeling that because we, you know, the child in us is afraid to say this to our parents. And uh, yes, and then I, it could be one of the you know kind of explorations or journeys for you to explore what uh, what op what options or what what paths or methods are there are are there to start to heal this. And uh, so mindfulness, the mindfulness approach would be to, uh, to, to be with it, to explore the pain, to take care of it, to, 
to to take it in your loving hands and you know uh, but there's so there's other you know there's there's other approaches to you know what maybe would would be called healing the inner child or you know all these things to make to make it a journey of healing Yes. Um, that could be a, a way to to explore and to be become aware of the the different aspects of your what, what is happening, the different aspects of this pattern. How do you feel right now? Do you have uh, like an image or um, of a person or of a religious figure or someone in your life who for you kind of provides that compassion and that love, what you're longing for? Poor boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he will fail. Everyone will fail in that. Yeah. So that's why it's so important. It's 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 okay that you feel that you have that longing, and um, that's not wrong. Uh, but. Uh, so, but to 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 take the responsibility and to say, yeah, there is something I need to work on in my own inner life. Yeah. And uh, and it's a lifelong journey, of course, but it's the most rewarding and exciting uh, journey. Uh, with this, uh, you know, the question of you no know, one one way in the Buddhist training to connect with that is to connect with images of wholeness like uh, the Dalai Lama or the Buddha or Jesus or the goddess or uh, and uh, to uh, to make it a practice you know to feel the presence of those of this person or of this 
symbol or of this uh, it can be a living person it can be a saint or you know, someone who can who for you holds that quality uh, so th that would be uh, that that is one of the tools you use in the Buddhist teachings and in in the Western context that role could be held by a therapist or by by a coach yeah like who who is who is reflecting this quality uh, to you and you know when you see this quality of love and compassion in another person like in the Dalai Lama or in Jesus you can see it because it's also in you otherwise you wouldn't see it so the, the, the Dalai Lama is reflecting something back. I don't know if the Dalai Lama is inspiring for you, but let's say he is. Then what you see in the Dalai Lama, the goodness and the compassion and the joy, it's something in you. Because otherwise you, you wouldn't feel it, you wouldn't see it. So the idea in this kind of approach is to awaken this in you by seeing it outside for some time. Like an angel. Do you believe in angels? You can pretend. <laughs> then, then pretend I believe in angels. Yeah? I, I just pretend. <laughs> and from the Buddhist point of view, there's a, there's a few angels just um, appointed to your case. <laughs> it's true. Uh, from the Buddhist, I mean, they are not called angels in the Buddhist teachings, but it's, it's the same. So there is forces in the universe who are just appointed to your case, and they will not let go. Uh, yeah, thank you for sharing your insight about this, how, how you recognize your own, mm -hmm. your own development. And, and that's really very good insight. What are these angels called in the Buddhist tradition? Buddhas. <laughs> <laughs> There is also in the tantric teachings there is the dakas and dakinis, yeah. which are male and female forces connected, particularly with the uh, you know, parts of your parts of your body. But could they be found doing through horoscope or such things? Uh, found? Could, yeah, so you know uh, which forces are your favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, it was interesting for me that when you said that uh, children cannot uh, or should not, I don't know, cannot, cannot say to, to their parents that they are assholes. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> really? 
that's not in general. Uh, uh, that does not mean that it's true for everyone. But a child is so depending on his or her parents, even if that child is obviously abused, uh, that child will love his parents. And w it would be, from the child's point of view, horrible to take the child away. Sometimes this is needs to be done to protect the child. But the child will always say, I love mama. Yeah, I'm not so familiar with uh, child psychology uh, when that would be healthy or when that would be possible. Yeah. But uh, of course, at one point in our uh, development, in our psychological development, um, that might be a necessary step. And if you are a healthy teenager, then you do that at one point. Yeah? So you say, fuck off, and that's part, that's part of the healthy development. So, and then that fuck off makes it possible after a few years to come back <laughs> and, to establish, <laughs> and to establish a healthy, realistic relationship to your f parents who are also just human beings like you. Yeah, but this, uh, uh, I, I said that because, uh, yeah, because she said uh, it, maybe it's nec it, it would be good to uh, you know say this uh, to my father, and then my response was because I don't know why I said it then, but I, I, my response was. It could be that you found it find it difficult to do this, that there is a fear, or that there is something like you no, know, there is a premature, yeah, but they did your, did the best, you know. That's people uh, sometimes jump to that without going through the fuck off. So they they jump over the fuck off and they say, yeah, they were just. They are also just human beings, and they did their best. No, fuck not, they didn't. <laughs> because they were grown up, they could have done psychotherapy and worked on that shit. Yeah. Like you also have, <laughs> like you can do it now also. No, this kind of premature, yeah, they were all human beings. They could, that could be also used for yourself than not to do your work. Yeah, I'm also just a human being. No, you are a parent, and you have to work on this. And it's your job to work on this, to clean up your your uh, your stuff. Yeah. So that's why I said, just from experience, that there is sometimes this fear arising of, uh, and and there was something else important here, uh, because her father is dead. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to go to your poor old father. <laughs> yeah. Who, who actually did his best, yeah? And um, no, that, that's not necessary. You, know, you can do that in your inner life. You're, you work with your inner, with the mental image, with, with your inner father. And, and then you can leave your poor old father in peace.
I'm, I'm uh, being father of a five-year-old child who's rather direct, at least right now. Today he said, if you don't do what I like, I, I will go and go away from you. And I will stay with my uh, mother, uh, godmother, instead of <laughs> You still have to go to daycare, so, <laughs> and so forth. And he's quite funny. But yeah. what I would like to do when he grows up is to to have a dialogue where he actually is not afraid to say what he thinks. But I wouldn't like him to use the word fuck off, which might mm. happen actually. But, yeah. but I, it would be better to, to have him to say that I think you're stupid. I think that is wrong. Yeah, to yeah. dare to say yes, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually, yeah. I think tensions will arise sooner or later and he will say that. See you again. Mm, mm. Well, that you told me today, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I think it's. How did it feel? <laughs> I'm a bit puzzled. <laughs> yeah. It puzzled uh, you. I, I I do not really right now. I don't understand why he sometimes get these very. Yeah. Uh, but how does it make you feel? I'm not a father uh, myself, but you know, those of you who have children, did it happen even when the, the, they were small, like five, six years old, when they say fuck off or I don't want, I don't love you anymore, that you feel hurt by it? Or no, does, it was just funny. No, that's, that, that's not happening. It happen. was funny. It's not <laughs> yeah, okay. in this case. It yeah. has to be over. It's not, it's they not, have to be older. They express themselves. Yes, they I mean that's but the way it is. Yes. So I mean, I. I'm yeah, but still, it, it's uh, you could. I mean, even knowing it, you still could feel hurt yeah. by it. I think that he's experimenting with, with what expressions no. and. Yeah, you and could. I can imagine. I can imagine. Not you, Not fun. Yeah. Do you have children? Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. I, I have teenagers. <laughs> yeah. But uh, not not hurt. No. Uh, I I I start to think. Yeah. I'm doing wrong. yeah, but you don't feel rejected. Rejected in which way? As a person, as a parent, as. No, 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 no. No. Yeah. Yeah. It, what, exactly that. That is. That is the. I find it. It's the. It's the greatest thing about having kids. Yeah. Because they teach you not to take things personally. Yeah. I mean, it's and and just I, and one of my things having kids. I have my daughter with me now, so. That is, you know, keep the communication open. You know, keep uh, don't don't say well if you're saying that you're hurting. Uh, you know, yeah. it just. Yeah. yeah, maybe we have very evolved parents here, because you know, in in the streets or when I observe in families, I see hurt parents. Yeah. By. You know, by um, yeah, I, I do. It's I, strange. I, but it's yeah, a really strange. good thing, also. 
you know, yeah, yes, cha- that he has, he's so brave that he yeah. really yeah. wants yeah. to pack a suitcase yeah. and leave you. Yeah. And I thought that's oh. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Self-confidence. Yeah. As a five-year-old. And then sometimes he gets angry and wants to hurt me, and he starts hitting around here. I said, no, you have to hit my bum, because I got <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know why he's so angry. But, uh, uh, well, I have to try to find out why. John Kabat-Zinn, John Kabat-Zinn he, he wrote a book about mindful parenting. And he says, yeah, your children, they are like your Zen masters. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> all the time. That's their job. Yeah, it's okay. So time is up. And it's good. Uh, I have not covered uh, four points because then I con- can continue uh, next time on Sunday. So you're welcome to come from 10 to 1. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, see you again. <laughs>